Good evening. I hope you can all hear me. Please uh, send me a message if you can't. I'd like to wish you all a good Hanukkah. We are in the middle of discussing Hilchas Brochus. And thank you. Thank you. Good Hanukkah to everybody. We are in the middle of Hilchas Brochus. We began to discuss, or we've been discussing, been discussing the halachas of Pasabab Kisnin, which is the halachas which are relevant to cake, primarily cake. We went through the different types of Pasabab Kisnin in the year, couple of shurim back. And in the last year, we discussed at length when Pasabab Kisnin would require a Birchus Hamotzi. When Pasabab Kisnin would we, would, would, we would need to make a bracha of Hamotzi and a bracha of Mazonis wouldn't be sufficient. And we discussed what's called being Kavea Suda on a Pasabab Kisnin on Mazonis. And if a person eats a certain amount of Mazonis, we went through the different opinions in the previous year and we came to an understanding of how one, the Minig and what we would, uh, how we would practice ourselves. If a person eats a certain amount of food, then Past that amount, he would have to wash a certain amount of mazainos. Past that amount, he would have to wash, and he would have to make hamotzi and birchas hamazon as a bracha achrona. The volume which we discussed, la halacha, is what we call a suda of boikav erev, a standard suda that people would eat in the evening or would eat in the morning. Uh, if you take a Friday night meal, perhaps, or a Shabbos morning meal, or a middle-of-the-week meal, the amount you would eat, to satisfy yourself and at, at a suda in the evening and a suda in the morning, meaning an average person eats two sudas a day. They did in the time of Chazal, they ate two sudas a day. And they didn't eat breakfast, lunch and supper and tea in the middle and, and, and morning snack and an evening snack. They just had two sudas a day. And those sudas would, would be the amount of food that would sustain them for the duration of the work or whatever they were doing where they weren't eating. Exactly how much that is is very difficult to ascertain. It's very difficult to get clarity exactly how much that is. But we gave a rough uh, amount, depending on the different opinions, whether it was six or seven or eight beitzim, or was it already 21, 22 beitzim, an amount which is perhaps feasible. Just one point which we didn't have time to finish last week, uh, uh, two weeks ago, I should say, in the shir, just at the end, and that's a, a very interesting halacha, which is extremely pertinent, and Ramosha Feinstein makes it even more pertinent, and that is that when we gave a shir, an amount for a meal, for morning and evening, for a suda of the morning and a suda of the evening, the, the truth is, it's very subjective, it's not an objective amount, meaning that depends on the group that you belong to, so the average man would eat a certain amount, the average woman might eat a bit less, and therefore, for her, the shear of a, a, a Sudas Arab and a Sudas Boike would be slightly less, perhaps, than the Suda for other men. A, a elderly people eat less than younger people. And therefore, that for an elderly person, it could be that the shear would be even less than that of a younger person. Or somebody who's in the category of, unfortunately, Rahman al-Islam, unwell person, a sick person, then the amount that he needs to eat or she needs to eat in order for that to be considered a meal would be less than the amount that's needed for somebody who is well, because uh, unfortunately a sick person usually eats far less than a healthy 
person, a person who's feeling well. And therefore, you have to understand which category you belong to to be able to get clarity in how much you are allowed to eat for pasta barbecuesen before you need to wash. What Moshe Feinstein does, and he makes a very interesting observation, and I think it will be pertinent today as well. He says today, teenage girls are, are rather picky and finicky about what they eat and don't eat very much. And therefore, for a teenage girl, the sheer of pasta barbecuesen would be much less than it would be for the average man or the average woman, perhaps. Uh, and he adds that in as, a, as an extra uh, caution when it comes to the share of a passable of a kissing because it may be relevant to every single girl. How many pieces of cake? One, one piece of cake, maybe two, and that's it. More than that, there, there is already crossing the line of what would be considered an average amount for a meal for a teenage girl. That's the last bit of the halachas that we forgot. I didn't forget. We didn't have time to mention in the previous year. What we want to discuss today is move a little bit further forward in the halachas of Suda. We've discussed pas, the brachas that we make on bread. We've discussed pas habar bekisnin, the brachas you make on different types of bread, which we commonly call cake. What I'd like to discuss today is brachas which are relevant in, in the middle of a meal, which means to say, when do we say brachas in the middle of a meal? When do we not say a bracha in the middle of a meal? We know that we're accustomed not to say any brachas during the meal, but are we actually getting it completely right, or are we not? Is it a just a standard rule that we don't make brachas during a meal? Or perhaps there are exceptions to that rule. And do all opinions agree? to all the different scenarios and cases which are relevant in the middle of a meal to whether we do say a bracha or we do not say a bracha. And that's what we're going to discuss this evening. I think you'll find it quite an eye-opener because you will see that it's not black and white or straightforward as all Hilchas brachas is not black and white and straightforward. And that's why Chazal often say with regards to Hilchas brachas, primarily with regards to Hilchas brachas, Puk Chazi Let's go and see what the public does. Because in Hilfus Brochus, it so much depends on the minig and the, the, the custom of what people do and they don't do. Because the halacha, even in the time of Chazal, in Hilfus Brochus wasn't so clear. And we'll see with, with regards to Brochus in the middle of a meal, that it's just not a very clear black and white subject. But we'll make it, try and make it as simple as possible. But I do apologize if it's a little bit more complicated than I would like it to be. It is, Hilchus Brachos is an extremely complicated subject. Now, this is based on the Gemara Masechta's Brachos. The Gemara Masechta's Brachos makes a statement in the name of Rapopa, Dvorim Haboim Machmas Hasuda Betoich Hasuda Ein Tuunin Bracha Loi Lifnehem Veloi Laacharehem, which in English means, Rapopa tells us that things, food that comes because of a meal, during a meal, do not need a bracha rishayna and do not need a bracha achreina. Now, we know that bread is considered so choshev that it has the ability to absolve other foods from, meat, from meat needing to have a bracha. So foods which are part of a bread meal are therefore not considered foods that need a bracha. However, the Gemara gives us some sort of parameters to that by saying, Dvorim haboim it's things that come because of the meal and in the meal. So we need to understand that definition. What do Chazal mean when they say things that come because of the meal and during a meal? And there's a, number, a couple of opinions. There's a number of opinions in the Rishonim. We're going to just discuss two. Two of the, the views, two of the opinions in the Rishonim is one is Rashi's 
opinion, and the other is the view of Tesis, both there on the page in Masechta's Brochus. Rashi tells us that the Dvorim Haborim Machmasasuda Betoichasuda is very limited in its scope. It's referring to a type of food that is accompanies bread. Any food that accompanies bread is considered part of the bread meal, and therefore the bracha of the bread absolves it from needing to have a bracha. If it's not part of the, it's not being eaten together with bread, even though I'm eating it in my bread meal, that wouldn't be sufficient to absolve me from my bracha. So according to Rashi, if I'm having a piece of bread with my fish on it, I would not need to make a broch on the fish. If I'm having a piece of bread with some peanut butter on it, I do not mean to need to make a broch on the peanut butter. If I'm having a piece of bread with a piece of meat on it, I'm having a meat sandwich. And today you can buy, I don't know if you can buy them today, but you could buy donut, uh, meat donut sandwiches. If that interests you, then please go make your way to whoever make, whoever sells them. But, uh, you would not need to, if you washed on the donut, you would not need to make a broch on the meat. Because that's Dvarim Haboy Machmasasuda, which according to Rashi means Dvarim Hamalafim Esapas. These are things that accompany the condiments part of the bread meal. You're eating it together with the bread. And if you're eating it together with the bread, it becomes very much sub, uh, it becomes subordinate to the bread. And uh, the bracha on the bread absolves you from making a bracha on the company, on the accompaniment on that which is being eaten together with the bread. So therefore, according to Rashi, we're very limited in the scope. If I'm eating in my, my Friday night meal, which we, most of us, most of us on a Friday night, Friday night meal will have some fish. We'll have, we'll wash and we'll have bread. And then we'll have some fish. If you eat your fish with the bread, then you don't need to make a bracha. If you eat your fish separately, then you do need to make a bracha. But then you're going to have some chicken soup. You don't make, you don't eat chicken soup with the bread. Probably problematic to dip your, your bread in chicken soup on Friday night. Maybe. Hilchah Shabbos, when we discussed that, we discussed the halachas official of dipping your bread in the soup. So you're going to eat your soup on its own. According to Rashi, you might need to make a brach on that. You're then going to get your main course. Uh, you may have some kugel, you may have some potatoes, you may have some, I don't know what, some some chicken, some meat. Uh, you you use your imagination what you're going to be eating. According to Rashi, you may need to make a brach on every single one of those. Unless you've already made a shahakal or you've already made a hadoma, you may need to make another bracha because these are not foods that are being eaten as an accompaniment to bread. They are part of my bread meal, but they're very much not a melafafin esapas. So according to Rashi, it's very limited in its scope of this tour, this absolvement of needing to make a bracha on any other foods because I've made a bracha on bread. It only applies to things that are actually eaten together with bread, which directly accompany the bread. Spreads, fish, you eat an eye kichel with herring, you don't need to make a broch on the, on the, on the herring if you make eating like kichel, etc. Things like that, which accompany the bread, you absolve from a broch. That shit is Rashi. And we'll come back to discuss one or two uh, re- relevant things which are relevant according to Rashi's opinion. Tasis, however, disagrees. And Tasis says that anything that is there as part of the main meal, and Tasis t- understands the Gemara literally, dvarim haboim machmasasuda, betechasuda. Anything which is being eaten as part of the main meal of the, as part of the main stay of the meal, then that's considered dvarim habarim machmas hasuda betechasuda. You don't need to have things which are eaten directly together with the bread. Even if it's not eaten directly together with the bread, but it's eaten in the bread meal as part of the main meal, you do not need to make a bracha. And that's much more closer to where we are, and that's, we pass in like tasters. And therefore, if you're having a, a Friday night meal, you're going to wash and eat your bread. And you're going to eat your bread. You're going to have your fish. Fish is part of my main meal. I'm going to have my chicken soup. 
my meat, my potatoes, my chicken, my kugel, whatever it is, that's all part of my main meal, called to taste us, you would not need to make a bracha on those foods. So that's the machlekes yashayim, and that's the background to the beginning of the discussion that we're going to discuss today. According to Tesis, then most foods that are come as part of a meal do not need to have a bracha made on them because your bracha on the bread will absolve you of the bracha on the other foods. However, there's three different types, three different categories of foods that come in a meal. There's probably more than three, but I'm going to break it down to three just to keep it simple. There's three different categories of foods that come as part of a meal, and you will find that the halacha changes with, within the categories themselves. So the first category of food that comes in a meal is a food that's brought to the meal in order to satisfy you. It's part of the main meal. You're eating it because you want to be full. You want to come out of this meal feeling satisfied, feeling full. You've eaten something which has given you the ability to continue to function. You're eating it to be satisfied. In the words of Chazal, it's in order to be satisfied from them. That's the first category of food. The second category of food that you will find in a meal is things that are brought in the meal, that are eaten in a meal for its sweet taste or for just as, as, as something to sweeten the mouth and, and clean out the palate, not to satisfy you particularly. That's not why it's been brought to the meal. But it's brought to the meal as the, as an aftertaste, as something to leave a sweet, a sweetness in the mouth. And that's what we call Dvorim Habarim Lekinua Chasuda. We have another third category, which is the things which are eaten after the meal, post meal. Things which come after the meal, but they're still before Bichasamazan. Now, each of those categories will have different halachic connotations because they are fundamentally different. Are they considered are they not? Is going to be the discussion, and we're going to see it's really not black and white at all. It's pretty gray. And let's make a, a, a start and hopefully we'll try and manage to cover as much ground as we can with regards to which types of foods inside a meal do not need to have a bracha. So again, we're learning and we're following the view of Tasis because according to Rashi, this discussion can stop now because 90% of the things we eat in a meal would need a bracha. But since we follow the, the opinion of Tasis, so then we need to understand what's considered foods that are come as part of the meal, because Tasis understands that any food that's the primary part of the meal is, does not need a bracha. So what's called a primary part of the meal? So that's a given, that something which is part of the meal in order to satisfy is part of the meal. And that's something we mentioned before. If it's brought into the meal in order to satisfy you, it's part of the meal. You do not need to make a bracha. So therefore, anything that's brought as, as your main meal, your fish, your chicken, your kugel, etc., will be considered part of your main meal. You do not need to make a bracha. Where it becomes a little bit gray, a little bit more or less clear, is if you eat fruits as part of your main meal. So for example, sometimes they might serve a baked apple as a side dish with your meal, or they may serve horse chestnuts. There was a fashion when I first came to London. Every chasna had to have a little tiny little dish with some horse chestnuts inside it. That was considered, I don't know, choshev, pasha, I don't know what you want to, uh, uh, that's what we used to eat. Do you make a bracha on those? Do you not need to make a bracha on those? Do we say, since it comes as the mainstay of the meal, it's part of my main course, I do not need to make a bracha, because it's part of the 
group of foods that I'm eating in order to be satisfied? Or do we say fruit is different? And fruit is a category unto itself. And therefore, even if it's being brought to the meal as part of my main course, I still need to make a bracha on it. And that's, again, a, a discussion. It's not clear in halacha. But the menigailam is not to make a bracha on it at all. So anything that comes for severe to satisfy, even fruits, we do not make a bracha. There are some people who are machmir on this. And as I mentioned during the past, I had a friend or a gentleman I know well. He was an old chavrus of mine who every chasna would come with a little plastic bag. And inside this plastic bag, he would have a shahako, he would have a hadoma, and he would have a, a piece of mazainus, and he would have a piece of oats. And he would, before he would wash, he would make a little bracha or make a bracha on the, on the mazainus. Then we make a bracha on the hadama, on the eights, then make a bracha on the hadama, then make a bracha on the shahakol. And that way, whenever he had a suffolk bracha in the meal, he had, his intention was that whatever comes up in the meal, which may be a suffolk bracha, I'm absolving myself from that bracha because I've already made a bracha before the meal. So if you make a, a, a shahakol before the meal with the intention to absolve all the shahakols that may come your way during the meal, then that's fine. You do not need to make a shahakol during the meal. So if you want to be worried and makbid, for this chumra of not making a bracha on pears, on fruits that come as the main part of the meal, as part of your main dish, then you'll need to bring yourself a little doggy bag of tidbits of food which cover all the different brachas and make those brachas before the meal. Or go find yourself a piece of fruit that definitely needs a bracha during the meal. And we will discuss that a bit later. But the minag is definitely not to make a bracha on a main dish, even if that main dish is made out of fruit. If a person's in the middle of eating a meal and as part of the foods that he's eating to satisfy him, food wasn't actually in front of him. The food wasn't there. It was only brought into the room later. Even though he's going to wash, and this is something which is accepted by us because we do this every Friday night. You wash, and the food that you're going to eat is not actually there when you're washing, when you're eating, when you're making the bracha of hamotzi. It's in the kitchen somewhere, still in the oven. That doesn't matter because when you make a bracha on the bread, your bracha is a bracha for any foods that are going to become part of the meal because that's your intention. Your intention is that any foods that are going to be brought to me that I'm going to eat as part of my main course, I don't need to make a bracha on that because they are part of my meal. What would happen if the food wasn't even in the house at the time of you wash when you washed. So you sat down to wash and you're starting your meal. And in the middle of the meal, you said, you know what? I fancy a piece of pizza. Well, it's not a very good example. Or I fancy some kugel. And I don't have any kugel in the house. You look in the kitchen, there's no kugel around. So you decide you go next door and ask them if they can lend you a piece of kugel. So you go next door, and you knock on the door and the next door neighbor looks at you and thinks you're a bit bonkers, but you happily receive a piece of kugel from them. And then you bring it back to your house and you sit down and you're continuing your meal. Do you need to make a bracha on that piece of kugel or do you not need to make a bracha on that piece of kugel? Do we say, since that piece of kugel was not around in your house at the time when you washed, so we can't have, we can't say that your mind, your intention was to eat that piece of kugel because you didn't have it. So therefore, you must make a bracha on that piece of kugel even in the middle of the meal. Or do we say no? But when you make a bracha on your hamotzi, your intention is whatever comes your way during the meal, that's what you're intending to eat. And the bracha of bread will absolve you from all brachas, even that piece of kugel that came from your next door neighbor in the middle of a meal. That is a machlekas between the mechaba and the remah. That would make a difference if you follow a minik sfarad, 
or if you follow Minik Ashkenaz. The Mechaba says that you need to make a bracha. The food wasn't there. It wasn't in your home. It wasn't around at the time of the washing and when you made your hamaytzi. No way that your intention was on that piece of food. You need to make another bracha on that piece of kugel or whatever it may be. A piece of meat. You need to make a new bracha. Ramos says no. That when a person sits down to eat his bread, his intention is any food that comes his way throughout the throughout the meal, wherever that food comes from, you need to make a bracha. You do, you do not need to make a bracha. Because that's what you're intending. You're intending to... Sorry, just let me switch off. What you That's what you intended to do, was eat any food that came your way during the meal. And since this came your way during the meal, that's considered intent, and you do not need to make another bracha. So practically speaking, that means as follows. If you belong to Minik Sfarad, if you go to a chasna, and the caterer suddenly realizes halfway through the meal that he's missing a, an intrinsic element of the meal, it's not there, it's not in the hall, so he rushes around to his to his uh, base, or he goes to a shop, and he quickly buys it, and he brings it, and then he serves it. There, you definitely do not need to make a new bracha, whether you follow Minik Sfarad, or if you follow Minik Ashkenaz, because clearly, you sat down, and you intended to eat whatever the caterer serves you. That's what you intended to eat. So whatever he brings to you, you do not need to make a bracha. If, however, you are at home, and you forget something which is necessary for the meal, and you go out and buy it, and according to Minik Sfarad, you'd need, to, you'd need to make a bracha on that. According to Minik Ashkenaz, you wouldn't need to, make a, need to make a bracha on that at all. Fine, so that's the first part of, of foods that are part of a meal. A food which is there to satisfy, that's the simplest element, the simplest halachas with relevance to a dvorim haboim machmas asuda betoich asuda. There, according to Tesis, it's very clear that if it's part of your mainstay of the meal, part of your main dish, there to satisfy you, then you do not need to make another bracha. That's clear. What about foods that come in the middle of a meal? Lekinuach, or as a an appetizer, not lekinuach. These come as an appetizer. So there was a time, I don't know if it's still fashionable, there was a time where it was fashionable. For example, in the middle of a meal, you'd have your first course, and then they would bring you out some sorbet, because I assume sorbet is, uh, enables you to have a, a greater appetite. It, it, the sweetness will maybe draw the appetite and therefore you will be hungrier and eat a bit more. I'm not quite sure, but I assume that's what it's all about. But or any type of food that's brought in the middle of a meal in order to enable you to have an appetite. So it could be pickles and fruit, anything like that, which is come to which is brought in the middle of the meal in order to awaken an appetite in the person. That is already a discussion. Whether you need to make a bracha on that or you, you do not need to make a bracha on that. Do we say that since it's there to enable you to build up an appetite, therefore that's called part of my meal? Because just like foods which are there to satisfy me is called part of my meal, so foods that are going to enable me to be satisfied because I'll be able to eat more is also called part of my meal. Or do we say no? Since this is not really satisfying me, it's just to enable me to build an appetite, that's not called part of my meal. Again, the minic here is not to make a bracha. The minic here is not to make a bracha on it. If it's come to create and enable you to build up an appetite, if, however, you want to be machme, then you'll need to bring a little bag with your bits of food in it and make a bracha before the meal 
and absolve yourself from all brachas during the meal that are a suffolk. But for sure, the minig oilam is that we do not make a bracha on foods that are come to build your, give you an appetite. Where this may be practical, and we'll, we'll discuss this a bit later again, is sometimes they used to, they used to be, again, it's not fashionable anymore, but it used to be a fashion to serve melon at the beginning of a meal or fruit, fruit salad or something like that. Now, for some people, not for everybody, for some people, a fruit salad or fruit at the beginning of the meal will, will create an appetite. And for them, they do not need to make a bracha if you're following the minic. If it doesn't create an appetite and it's purely a piece of fruit, we'll discuss fruit in the middle of the meal a little bit later. So that's what we've discussed now, foods that have come to build an appetite. Now, what about foods, which is in the second category of the groups of foods that we discussed before, which are lekinua chasuda, just to clean the palate, to, to enable you to have a sweet taste in the mouth. We would commonly call them today desserts. Your afters, your dessert, uh, your fruit compote that you're going to have at the end of the meal or your desserts. We're not going to discuss ice cream because ice cream is itself a discussion. What bracha ice cream is, is ice cream shahako. Or, or not, uh, or is ice cream a, a drink or is it not a drink? Because ice cream at room temperature is a liquid. It's only frozen, but yet we eat it frozen. So that's a different discussion. But any type of dessert that's brought as the end of a meal, which we regularly have, is very much part and parcel of our meals today. We have a, a, a meal, we have the hors d'oeuvres, and we have the soup, and we have the main course, and then we have a dessert afterwards. Do you make a broch on dessert? Do you not make a broch on dessert? The bulk of the poskim, and this is based on Rishonim and the Morgan of Ram and the Chai Adam and the Kitzah Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Berurah, they take on the, something which is purely as a kinuach, as a dessert. It's not there to satisfy you. That requires a bracha Rishonim. Because the only time you do not need a bracha Rishonim is if it's there to satisfy you. Dvarim haboim machmasasuda means food that you're eating as your main course, your main part of the meal. You're eating it in order to be satisfied. No one eats a piece of ice cream at the end of a meal or, or a dessert at the end of the meal to be satisfied. It's there to end the meal, to, to, to clean the palate or to give you a positive taste at the end of the, a sweet taste at the end of the meal. That's not something according to those Poskim, which is considered the mainstay of the meal, part of the meal. It's not called Dvarim Haboim Machmas Hasuda, and therefore you need to make a bracha. And according to those, those Poskim, and that's a meaning of most people, I would suggest that you make a bracha on all desserts. There is, however, a descending opinion to that, the opinion of one of the Rishonim, Rabbeinu Yonah, and it's quoted in the Shlach HaKadosh, the Halacha, and he says that anything... The, the, the tasteless doesn't mean only things that are coming to satisfy you, but anything which is commonly brought and a common part of your meal, you need, to, you don't, you don't need to make a bracha. Now today, dessert is very much a common part of the meal. Most people will have a meal with a dessert. Chasna is always, always has a dessert at it. A Shabbos Friday night meal, uh, a Shabbos meal usually has a dessert. A Yom Tov meal usually has a dessert. So dessert is very much part and parcel of our meals, of what we would call a suda today. And therefore, come to the shlok, you do not need to make a bracha on your dessert. What's very interesting is there's a, a discussion, a historical debate, as to what actually was the opinion of the Chavetz Chaim at the end of his life. So that's very clear. In Mishnah Berurah, he writes, you should make a bracha on the dessert. And that's why most people do make a bracha on the dessert. Because in Mishnah Berurah writes, you should make a bracha on the dessert. However, there's a biography written by the son of the Chavetz Chaim, 
where in it he writes that the Chavos Chaim, at the end of his life, used to make a bracha on dessert. Sorry, the end of his life did not make a bracha on dessert. Even though in Mishnah Buri he writes that he should make a bracha, Chavos Chaim at the end of his life says his son didn't make a bracha on his dessert. The Rebchaim Kanievsky writes that, that it's not true, and the Chavos Chaim never changed his mind. I have no idea how he knows or how he doesn't know, but he said very clearly, he writes very clearly, that the Chavos Chaim never changed his mind at the end of his life, and if the Chav- Mishnah Buri writes that he should make a bracha, then you need to make a bracha. And he says his father, the stipler, <laughs> the stipler Gorm used to make a bracha on dessert, even though regularly had dessert at the end of the meal, because a dessert is not coming to satisfy. Regularly, part of the meal is not sufficient. It needs to be something that is there to satisfy. If it's not there to satisfy, you need to make a bracha. Therefore, many people have a minute to make a bracha on a dessert. And if that's what the minute is, they should carry on with that minute, make a bracha on dessert. Except for Pasa Baba Kisnen, which we discussed in the previous year, except cake at the end of the meal. Unless it has all three categories of Pasa Baba Kisnen, then you shouldn't be making bracha on that, even if it's coming as a dessert, because bread as a dessert is still bread. But if it's a dessert, a plain dessert, ice cream, a compote, or some other exquisite dish that you've now found in all the magazines, which uh, you're supposed to eat <coughs> at the end of a, at the end of a meal, then you should you should be making a bracha on that because that's not called coming to satisfy. If you have a minute, and and of course according to Rashi's opinion, this is where Rashi is relevant. Rashi says you anyway need to make a bracha on all these types of foods because you're not eating it together with bread. So we have an ad- added additional. Support from Rashi that on afters, on dessert, you should be making a bracha. If somebody has a minute not to make a bracha, then wants to be machmit, fine, he can be machmit. But then best if he has his little doggy bag at the beginning of the meal where he makes these brachas and that way he can absolve himself from all svekas on afters. Or if it's a Shabbos meal where you can't have your you can't eat before the meal your little bits and pieces, then make sure you have something which is definitely not part of the meal, and then you would need to make a bracha on that, and that way you would absolve yourself of the sophic. If you have something which definitely is not regularly part of the meal, and I would make a venture to suggest something like an after-dinner mint. An after-dinner mint is probably not a regular part of people's meals. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. A dessert, I would say, is very regular, but to have a chocolate at the end of the meal is when you have guests and you want to have a chocolate, so you bring chocolate out as an after-dinner mint, but it's not a regular mainstay of, 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 a, of the sudas that we have. So then it's very possible that, according to everybody, all opinions would say you need to make a bracha on the after-dinner mint. Eating fruit in the middle of a meal. Now, there used to be a fashion of having fruit. For example, a chasnas, they would decorate the center of the table with fruit. And uh, if the droshes were going on too long, nobody informed thereof that you're only supposed to speak for five minutes and you went on for 25 minutes, then you would start picking at the grapes and the fruit that are or the nuts, or whatever it may be, that are in the middle of the table. And often at chasnas with long drushes, you usually found that the fruit was not left. There was nothing left. But fruit that comes in the middle of a meal usually is considered not part of the meal. It's not boy machmas. It's batay chasuda, but it's not machmas chasuda. Batay chasuda, but not machmas chasuda, needs to have a bracha. It needs to have a bracha made on it. <clears throat> so if you ever do decide to have fruit in the middle of a meal, you need to make a bracha. Unless, as we said before, the fruit is there as part of the main meal, then the minig is not to make a bracha. Or if the fruit is there to increase your appetite, then, as we discussed, 
it may be that you do not need to make a bracha. But if you're served at the beginning of a meal, some melon or fruit salad, and it doesn't increase your appetite, then you need to make a bracha on that fruit because it's not considered boy machmasasuda. Machmasasuda means part of the meal, either to satisfy you or regularly part of the meal. But fruit in the middle of a meal is not called regularly part of the meal. Let's move on to drinks in the middle of a meal. Do you need to make a bracha on drinks? Or when do you need to make a bracha on drinks in the middle of the meal? Now, again, this is a very interesting machlekes in the Gemara there. Rashi tells us that you need to make a bracha on drinks in the middle of the meal. So you'd wash and you'd have your bread and your first course or your main course and you'll be thirsty. So you'll go and get yourself a cup of water or you'll get yourself a cup of orange juice or some lemonade, soda, Coke, whatever it may be. According to Rashi, you would need to make a bracha on that liquid. On that drink, you'd need to make a bracha. Taisa tells you, of course you don't need to make a bracha because that liquid is there in order to help you either eat the food so that the, there's a liquid, so there's moisture in the mouth, mouth so it's easy for you to, to chew and, and eat the food or to get rid of thirst. When a person's thirsty, it's hard for him to eat. So it's there to enable and aid the eating, the meal. Therefore, you don't need to make a bracha. But Rashi himself, who tells us that you always make a bracha in, in the middle of a meal unless it's literally being eaten together with bread. And when I'm drinking a drink, I'm not eating it together with bread. It's not there to accompany my bread. It's there to quench my thirst. Then according to Rashi, I need to make a bracha on all liquids that I drink in the middle of the meal. So if I drink a orange juice, I need to make a bracha shakal in the middle of the meal. Taisa says, no, since it's considered necessary for my meal for me to drink, to remove my thirst, or to enable the food to be considered saturated enough that I can, with liquid, enough that I can, I can eat the food, then I do not need to make a, make a bracha even on the drink. The remark tells us we pass in lactosis, and therefore the minig is not to make a bracha on drink in the middle of the meal. The mechaba, minig svarad, says there are those who are machmi to make a bracha in the middle of the meal not to drink without a bracha. So what do they do? They will take a drink before the meal. A small amount of drink, not a lot, because then you have a problem with bracha achreina, which I don't want to discuss now, but they'll take a small amount of drink at the beginning of the meal, make a shahakol, and that will absolve them of any bracha necessary on a drink in the middle of a meal. And that way they get around the problem of making a bracha in the middle of the meal. But Minik Ashkenaz says very more, and that's the Minik as we all know it. Minik Ashkenaz is you do not need to make a bracha in the middle of a meal. But if you do find somebody who's making makes a bracha before the meal in order to get around this opinion of Rashi, to, to be able to accommodate Rashi's opinion, if he's from Sfad, there's a reason for him to do that. If he's from Ashkenaz, he's just being from, but he's entitled to be from, and he's trying to accommodate even opinion, which is not part of Minig Ashkenaz. Wine in the middle of a meal always needs a bracha. So if you're sitting down during the week, washing and you decide to have a cup of wine with your meal you go out to a restaurant and they serve you a cup of wine or you're at a chasna and they serve you a cup of wine you need to make a bracha on the wine wine is choshev and therefore always needs a bracha even in the middle of a meal wine must have a bracha wine is never absolved this bracha on wine is never absolved by the bracha on bread tea and coffee that are drunk at the end of a meal. This is again a discussion in the Achronim. 
Why does a person drink tea or coffee at the end of the meal? So you finish the meal and you're sitting around at the Sheva Brochus, where it's Hashem, where we have to go back to Simcha soon, and we're sitting down at Sheva Brochus, and your, your host brings you out a cup of tea, lemon tea, whatever it may be. Do you need to, do you need to make a brocha on that cup or not? On that drink or not? Do we say that's part of my meal? Well, it's a bit difficult. Why am I drinking this tea and coffee? I'm not really drinking it to help me eat because I finished eating. And I'm not really drinking it because I'm thirsty because I've drunk half a bottle of Sprite throughout the meal. So I'm not really thirsty. I'm just drinking because I'm tired, end of a meal or sociably just think it's nice. Everybody's having a cup of tea. So I'm going to have a cup of tea, uh, et cetera. The host gave it to me. I felt bad to say no. It could be that that cup of drink is not considered part of the meal, even according to Facebook, because it's not there to serve the purpose of the food. It's not there to enable me to be satisfied with my food. And maybe that it's necessary to make a bracha on that. Others, others say no, that if I'm drinking a cup of tea, I must be thirsty. Very unlikely that I'm going to be drinking a cup of tea if I'm not thirsty. So if it's because I'm thirsty, then thirstiness is considered an element of the meal. The meal has made me thirsty, so I'm drinking because of the meal, and therefore it's considered bon machmasasuda. Again, a difficult, difficult discussion. Do you or don't you? Some people have a minute to take a piece of sugar, which is definitely not considered part of the meal, and make a bracha on that, and that way they would absolve themselves on the bracha on the drink. If you're not sure, if you're at, at the Shev Brachos and you're not sure what to do, then we always say Sophic Brachos the Hokel, since it's a discussion in the Paskim, the one should be Makel and not make a Bracha on your coffee and tea. Somebody who drinks a Lechaim in the middle of a meal, many people have a minute Friday night, based on Halacha, to drink a Lechaim after the fish, between the fish and the soup, not to mix the fish and the meat, which is a Sakona, and the Halacha tells us you should rinse your mouth with a drink, and if it's a alcoholic drink, it cleans the mouth better and have a piece of piece of challah to clean and wash the mouth out with the food and drink. And you're drinking because you want to wash the mouth out. So you're not thirsty and it's not for any other reason other than this concept of separating between fish and meat. Do we say it's not part of my meal because you're not thirsty. It's not aiding. It's not there to help you be satisfied. So therefore, even Tosas will agree that you do you you need to make a brach on it because it's not very much. You can't consider it. But do we say no? Since it's I'm drinking it to enable me to eat my meat, which is following on from my fish. Without me drinking, I would be I would have a problem of sakana. Fish and 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 meat don't go together. There's a danger in eating fish and meat. So by drinking, I'm enabling myself. To eat the meat, which is following the fish, that is very much called part of the meal. And that's again the minig oilam. If you're drinking a piece of drink, a, a cup of l'chaim after the fish, before, before the meat, before the soup, before the meat, that you don't make a bracha because we, we consider that part of the meal. We consider that part of the meal. What would happen if you're drinking just to say l'chaim? Just to say l'chaim. So you've had your l'chaim, which you've had after your fish. So you've done that. Now you're having another l'chaim because you want to wish everybody l'chaim. You want to wish a bracha of l'chaim. And, and, and the kais is sure is eso v'shem Hashem ekra. So you're making a bracha on the, on the, on the kais, on the cup of l'chaim. And you take a, you take a kais and you wish l'chaim. So you're not drinking it as an aid to your meal. You drink it purely to say l'chaim. And it's very, very possible that in that case, and many poskim would suggest, in that case, you really need to make a bracha. Even though what you're drinking is very much being drunk in the middle of the meal. You're drinking in the middle of the meal. 
but it's possible that you need to make a bracha because the, we consider that a non-meal drink. You're not drinking because you're thirsty. You're not drinking in order to help you eat your food. You're not drinking to make a break between the fish and the meat. So it serves no relevance as part of the meal. You're doing it purely to say l'chaim. And therefore, maybe you should make a bracha on that. However, Beliashev did say, halachically, you probably do need to make a bracha on it. But he said at the end, but the minig is not to make a bracha on any drinks inside the meal. And as we said earlier in the, in the shir, when it comes to hilchas brachas, you say, puk chazi ma'ya what do people do? What do they say? What do they do? And if you look around and we see the minig is not to, then we follow the minig and we don't make a bracha. So practically speaking, the only time that you may need to make a bracha is on a cup of tea, a cup of coffee at the end of the meal. Though even there, it's not 100% clear. So probably if we want to give a definitive instruction with regards to drinking in the meal, it would probably come out that you never make a bracha on any drink in the middle of a meal. And that would seem to be the minig oilam, and that seems to be what we would do. So let's recap what we've discussed today. Today we've discussed the halachas of dvorim haboim machmas hasuda hasuda, things which have come, which come because of the meal, in the middle of the meal. And we discussed the background to that halacha, when do we, when do we not need to make a brachas in the middle of the meal? And that's very clear. If you have something in the middle of the meal, which is not part of my, my meal, you definitely need to make a bracha. So fruit, etc. in the middle of the meal, you definitely need to make a bracha. If it's there, le hasuda, we said the minig oilam is to make a bracha, that there are some people who are machmi and they don't make a bracha. Chavaz Chaim, Mishnabura, and Chai Adam, and the Kitsa Shulchan Aruch all tell us that you shouldn't make a bracha. There are others who say you shouldn't and say the Chavaz Chaim changes his mind, but the minig oilam is probably more more following the Mishnah Bura that says that you should make a bracha. If it's there as the mainstay of the meal to satisfy you, everybody agrees you do not you do not need to make a bracha except for opinion except for Rashi's opinion. But la halacha you definitely do not need to make a bracha. And we spoke about drinks in the middle of a meal, which again would be a dependent on the machlekes Rashi and Tesis. But the minig is not to make a bracha, and all the different types of scenarios of drinks that you might come across in the middle of the meal. The Conclusion seems to be that the minig item is not to make a broth on any drinks in the meal because we assume that they're all being drunk in order to quench some level of thirst. And quenching thirst during a meal is considered very much part of the meal, and therefore we do not need to make a bracha. And that brings us to the end of Dvarim Haboim Machmasasuda Betechasuda. We still have an area of discussion which we're going to leave for the next year, Hashem, that's after the winter holidays, where we need to discuss foods that come after the meal but not part of the meal at all. So these are things are boim acha hasuda. That's the third category of food that we mentioned at the beginning of the year in, in Taisus, which we haven't discussed yet. Sorry, you're right. Wine in the middle of the meal. Thank you very much, Mrs. Kissin. Wine in the middle of the meal, in the middle of the meal definitely needs a bracha. That's the only drink that will definitely need a bracha in the middle of the meal. Thank you very much for that, for pointing that out. So we need to discuss as a continuation of the, what we've discussed so far, what bracha to make on things that come post meal. Do we need to make a bracha shana? Do we need to make a bracha achrena? On all the foods that we've discussed today, all the different categories of foods that we discussed today, even the ones that you need to make a bracha in the middle of the meal, say wine or fruit, that you need to make a bracha in the middle of the meal, but you don't need to make another bracha achrena. The brichas hamazon will be sufficient for all those foods too. Dvorim haborim acha hasuda, things which you eat after the meal, that means you've cleared the table away and the suda's finished and you're now going to eat Small bits of food, bits of food. Do you need to make a bracha shayna and a bracha achrena? Do we not, do we not need to make a bracha shayna or an achrena? Or do we need to make a bracha shayna and not an achrena? It's something that we will discuss in Metz Hashem in the coming year. Another area of discussion which is extremely important is wine. 
wine absolves a person from making a brach on any other drinks. And therefore, it may be, may be relevant that Friday night, if a person has made kiddush and drank wine, and then he has a, a liquid, a tea, or whatever it may be, as at the end of the meal, that it may be obvious and posher that you don't need to make a bracha on that tea because you've already made a bracha on your wine at the beginning of the meal, on your kiddush. Is that straightforward? Is that not straightforward? What are the parameters to when wine absolves you of any other bracha when it does not? We have to discuss that as well. And then we need to move on to the discussion on Hilchas Bichas Hamazim, all the halachas relevant to Bichas Hamazim, which is the end of a Suda. We've started up discussing the halachas of bread. We we'll worked our way through the meal process. We've discussed today Dvorim Habarim Machmas Suda. We then need to discuss things which come post Suda, the halacha of wine absolving you, and then Hilchas Bichas Hamazim, and that will take us right the way through probably till Pesach. And I wish you all a very good Hanukkah, a very good night, and uh, stay healthy. And we're looking forward to seeing you back in four weeks' time. That's after the winter holidays, Be'ezus Hashem. In four weeks' time, all healthy and gesund and full of simchas, and everything should go well. Have a very good night.